0: Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Herd is a collaboration between The Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcast. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com like Herd Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Herd Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Jason. Hello. Nick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and our special guest, food and beverage director of the brand new Trumbull Importer Hotel, Dustin Walker. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being on, Dustin. Yeah. Okay, Nick. Before so, you before you arrived tonight, you picked up a literal smorgasbord <laughs> of uh, food from a local Applebee's, mm-hmm. um, based off of uh, we, we we were re- sharing an article le- earlier this week about. Uh, Applebee's giving up on millennials and deciding to just go back. Well, they're
1: giving up because millennials are killing their business.
0: Right. Well, m- millennials are killing everything. Every business. Everything.
1: Everything Depending on what you read. Yes. Yes. And they're we're not- all technically millennials, right?
0: I don't know. Are we? Yeah. yeah. It's
1: 1980. Is the beginning. Uh-huh. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh
0: right. Shit. So Jason's not. So.
2: so Jason- this is.
1: He's in the market for this stuff then. Yep. This True. is. This is. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, we're
2: all millennials that remember a time before the internet. So yes. it's like a special yeah, dial place. Up.
3: Pre dial
1: up,
2: yeah. Pre dial up. Pre dial up.
3: Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, I've been to my fair share of Applebee's, that's for sure. Before, before, oh, <laughs> before we killed it yes. in the yeah. dark.
0: In the dark. Time. Okay, so so I've never been to an Applebee's. The only one I've ever been to was for a. Uh,
1: you haven't had a Bloody Mary until last episode, so I don't know if we should I, trust I,
0: you anymore. I, I know. I just uh, I'm fucking up all over the place here. Um, <laughs> so uh, Applebee's uh, are dying, um, so they have decided to go to stop going after millennials and they um, basically put in millions of dollars of uh, renovations, wood fire grills, all
1: that type of stuff. Um, but have they improved their food? Well, so we have what I believe are two appetizer samplers and some desserts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's like bar food.
0: Yeah. So what, what is it? The, the, these chicken bites, whatever the hell yeah, these, these are, are like are, some are sort are of boneless
1: chicken nuggety bites. Um, um, cheese sticks. That's a, I think it's a quesadilla. Is that guac? Has anyone tried the guac yet?
0: Okay.
2: I don't know if there's avocado in this guac.
0: Okay. I'm going to check, though. That's a, is that? That's not guacamole, is it? Well, what else would it that's be? a spanish. Green. Is that spinach? It and could be something? spinach dip. Oh, it could be spinach dip. It looks dip. warm. If that's warm and it's guacamole, I would stay away from it. You know,
1: it's Yeah, it's that's spinach probably dip. spinach dip. Okay. okay. Let's, okay. Check,
0: let's check this out.
1: Live taste test.
0: Dustin, your your that's good chewing audio.
1: We gotta we gotta save that for a future.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's the thing.
1: Royalty
2: free.
0: So (laughs) our articles, it's not great. I mean, but it's not bad. So the the Applebee's articles hits this week, and then there's two other articles that hit. One in Cranes, and one uh, forgot where the other one was, but saying that uh, restaurants are seeing an increase in business.
3: And let it be said, that Applebee's wasn't the only one. Buffalo Wild Wings, Joe's Crab There's a there's a rash of closings along the same lines of millennials are killing these chain suburban chain restaurants. That's one of the theories out there. Cranes and, came through with the alternative um, line that restaurants are actually seeing a growth. And
0: so, independently owned restaurants, right? Yes. right? And that that um that focus more on probably customer experience better food, um, not just one-size-fits-all. Sure. Um, So why? Why why is Applebee's failing so hard? Um, And who are they... Are are they going to be successful again at all?
1: Well, all right, let's look at this. So what we have in front of us are four... You know, if you look at uh, the four of us who have probably been eating, dining out for 20 years or more each, um, I mean, this is stuff we've all had 20 million times you know I mean how many quesadillas have we had how many cheesesteaks that we had a and lot. yeah and it's there's like there's no <laughs> there's no tweak to it there's no spin this is all just are they even making it I mean maybe it's coming from a central kitchen maybe it's coming from a supplier
0: right it, most it, likely for consistency
1: yeah it's coming I mean, from
0: one cent a couple. I, don't, I
1: don't think they're hand
0: breading these no no um it's like shovel food in your face and leave basically like, turn and burn no experience no like you know, enjoyable time out. I don't know how the service is at one of these places. I, I like I said, I've never been to one.
1: I mean, the curbside service was pretty lickety split. I drove up. I think Laura helped me out, gave me my food, and said, "See ya."
0: Was it? Did you give her a leave her a gratuity?
1: I left her ten percent. I don't know what the what's the curbside. Is that I, a good? I, price? I
0: think carry out
2: ten percent is pretty. That's what I normally. Okay.
0: So okay, so Dustin, let's let's bring in. um The Trumbull Porter Hotel and uh, Red Dunn Kitchen, right? So uh, you guys opened a couple months ago? Yeah, so officially um, our grand opening was end of June.
2: But we started serving food on a limited basis to our hotel guests as an amenity for them. uh, Memorial Day weekend, we were sold out for the Movement Festival. So we definitely wanted to make sure that uh, we had a, a kitchen available for all those guests. We have 144 rooms, so there's a lot of hungry people. During a festival, right? Um, so it was a really great chance for us to um, test the, you know, test the kitchen, test the staff, um, and we really didn't have very much time to prepare between um, construction finishing and you know our final inspection where we could actually serve food. So um, it was probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done, um, but really rewarding. So really proud of our staff and um, support we got. So. So, have you been? I
1: have not. Okay, but you've been. I did. It's a it's a decent sized restaurant. I feel like I feel like there's a there's a lot of tables, especially when you count the outside, mm-hmm. which has a lot of seats. Plus that that huge kind of um, amphitheater area.
2: Yeah, definitely. We have um, like in our bar lounge area. I think that's where you sat. Mm-hmm. Um, we have four pretty large like semicircle banquets. It can seat up to six people. Uh, bar has about twelve. And then the main dining room uh, has about 16 tables, which are sizable tables. Mm-hmm. Um, and then outside is another 10. Plus, we have a private patio, a private dining room, and a banquet room. Wow. Um, plus the courtyard with a bunch of picnic tables. So um, we just did a, a wedding there, actually, on Sunday, um, which, was, which was cool. It was our first wedding. So that was definitely... Um, cool to do but yeah we can fit a lot of people and so that has challenges of itself um any of these large square footage restaurants i think um planning for staffing and planning for you know large events can always be um, probably our biggest challenge and so
0: and so like out of the kitchen is there are there separate kitchens for uh weddings and the restaurant is it work out of one central kitchen
2: we have one kitchen um so chef jay gundy um is our executive chef uh he and i had worked together in the past and um this was kind of like a a passion creative project between the two of us um we've been given a lot of creative freedom from like our owner leo lee um say that one more time leo lee leo lee Lee.
1: that's a great
2: yeah he's a great guy so um his uh little little brief he um his son actually went to school here. He's actually not a Detroit native, but he fell in love with the people here and wanted to kind of give back and um, renovate and rehab this this old hotel. So um, here we are. And um, so, basically, well, I got sidetracked there.
0: <laughs> well, let's, <laughs> um, let's yeah, real quick, the, renovate and remodel the hotel. It, has it been vacant for a period of time? It
2: actually was never closed since 1964. It was originally a Holiday Inn. They okay. built it, um, had the first outdoor pool in the city of Detroit. It was kind really? Of, yeah, it was interesting. The The concept of it was to kind of combat white flight. The area around it um, was taken by uh, um, uh, the city to kind of rehab. The, that's what Dean Savage Park across the street, that's when that was built. Um, so they took eminent domain of that area and they gave big tax break to Holiday Inn to put you know this hotel in there. Um, then over time, uh, you know ownership has changed and everything. And then uh, about three years ago, uh, Leo and a group of investors uh, they decided to put um, a huge, huge amount of money into um, into this project. And so over the last two years, uh, they've been rehabbing it floor by floor. Um, never closed in the meantime. Um, uh-huh. And so the restaurant part was the last phase of the renovation. So it's been fun to be, you know, to to see it uh, change over time. I've only been a part of it for the last, um, officially the last three or four months. But in November is when I came on board creatively. Yeah. So.
0: so back to the, the kitchen yeah. question. Kitchen.
2: Yeah. One kitchen, um, Jay designed it himself. So... Uh, he had it built by Great Lakes, but he designed, you know, where everything was going to be, the size of it. Um, I'd say it's probably one of the larger kitchens I've ever worked in and um, ever been a part of. It gives um, definitely a lot of opportunity to do large parties at the same time as a regular dinner
0: service. Okay. So this 100 – you said 100-person wedding? Was that what you said? Yeah, it was about 100 people. 100 yeah. Um Yeah. So you had that wedding going simultaneously with dinner service happening or – no?
2: Not for this event um, because they had requested they wanted the whole they bought it bought it all out oh, on a Sunday. Okay. They bought the whole restaurant okay. and the patio out for it. Um, on Saturday we had a more casual event where we had a spread in um, our private dining room for a buffet and then uh, they were all outside in the courtyard. So we had about 120 people doing cocktails plus a buffet in adjacent to um, regular Saturday dinner service where we did about 150 covers. So it was
0: it was there was a lot moving around
2: <laughs> on Saturday. It was
0: fun. So I know from your past that you were at uh, you were with um, AFB. So you worked mm-hmm. at Bistro 82, and then you um, you opened the Mori, right? Yeah,
1: Um yeah. So as we're slowly working our way through the whole staff. Yes, <laughs> uh, right. Because we had um, Ben, right?
2: Yeah, we had yeah. Ben. Yep. Yeah, Ben's great. I mean, uh, he had came on board AFB like towards the end of when I was there, and amazing pastry chef. Just I don't even want to call him
0: pastry chef. He's like a wizard.
2: <laughs> yeah, sugar yeah. sugar wizard.
0: Um, so you were primarily a bartender there, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. So what what kind of um, say as a food and beverage director? Do you are you also one of the head bartenders are you the head bartender are you doing is a drink program yours
2: the drink program is mine um i'd say yeah i'd say 99.9 percent um that's what uh jay brought me in to kind of curate that and to you know basically be front of the house you know charge the front of the house he's in charge the back of the house um it's been we describe it as a marriage (laughs) um and it's been great so um yeah, going from Beast straight Two where I was just doing bartending um, and then helping the Mori out with with managing and helping them open up. Um, it'd been a while since I was like full time, um, you know, manager, general manager. It'd been probably about three years, but um, it was like riding a bike. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. That's what I like to do.
1: So, what coming from a more traditional restaurant to a hotel, what? changes does that bring in? So do you have like room service? Do you guys have, obviously the wedding component is probably a little different.
2: Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that I didn't really foresee being different that are, um, we're 24 hours in terms of the, the hotel. So So, there's always people needing something or, you know, there's, and there's always, uh, you know, staff, on, on hand so
1: and what's available during that 24 hours is there always some sort of edible component
2: well we have like a gift shop that's that's always open for for snacks and that type of thing but our hotel um, or our restaurant opens uh, for full service at 7 a.m
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I've got some really great trusted people that help me uh, open up in the morning um, so we open for breakfast at 7 a.m and then we go to a completely different uh, lunch menu at 11. Uh, and then we switch into a dinner menu at four o'clock, and that runs till ten o'clock in the week weekdays and eleven on the weekends. So we have quite a few hours of full service for the for the hotel. We also offer carry up service, so um, it's kind of like room service, but we don't do the full tray and and everything. We just kind of do carry out that we take up for them. Um, and then we do late night bites as well um, till two a.m. So there's our bar is open till two a.m. every night. So. If you think about it, it's, it's 19 hours times seven. (laughs) That's when we're open. So,
0: yeah. Um, so in terms of hiring, uh, since the hotel never closed, were there, was there already staff like built in and and was there Mm. retraining that had to happen? And and would that, with the restaurant, the restaurant was new, right? There wasn't a restaurant. before, Right.
2: Right. There, there was a small, what's now become, um, our coffee bar. It's called Burroughs Lounge. Um, Burroughs typewriters were made in Detroit. And we have some the antique ones in the lobby, so that's a little little nugget of history there. So we um, we had this lounge that's now the coffee bar. It had we've had a liquor license um, since it since it began, um, and so there was a bartender on some nights when during high occupancy, um, that person kind of assimilated into just the regular concierge after the restaurant opened because it would be silly to have this coffee bar adjacent to the lobby, um, adjacent to the restaurant that has this beautiful huge bar. So, um, we kind of took over that, that lounge and is not, we've now made it, you know, just basically for coffee drinks and that type of thing in the morning. It opens at six in the morning. So.
0: And That's so the, 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 sta- the, is the staff all new then for, for the restaurant? Uh, yes.
2: Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. Long way of saying it, completely new. So, um, my first day officially with the hotel was May 15th. We opened for our first service May 25th. So, um, I had 10 days to <laughs> finalize. I had 10 days to finalize my staff. I had already had, you know, I had a, a backlog of, you know, contacts and uh, had my menu kind of figured out for the bar and my orders and my budget and everything. But it took 10 days. Yeah. To, to staff train and stock, stock the bar and get it all going. How, how, How do you do that in 10 days? Uh, I, I don't know, but I did. And it's one of the most, it's one of the, uh, things I'm most proud of ever. So How,
0: how many, how many people,
2: uh, right now front of the house, we have about 15, um, and back of the house and probably another 15. We got about 30 on staff
1: right now. So you, now wait, how does that for non-restaurant people? How does that compare to like a normal restaurant? Is that big, large, middle, normal?
0: Well, I I mean I could speak for the bakery and we I mean we're open 9 to 6 most days and we have seven people now cuz we had a couple people quit. So like staffing is a issue with us right now. We're short-handed by like four people. Sure. Um but we can say like 15 people 15 in the pe- kitchen <clears throat> and 15 people on the floor with, with nine 19 hours a day you're open how do you staff how do you do that um well
2: carefully and with
0: trusted people
2: so i'm really thankful for the people that have um been there since day one um, almost my entire staff has and so um i'm pretty much the only manager um i do have as of today um one of our head bartenders, Carmen Toko, she is now taken a, a role as, um, the events coordinator. So kind of heading up all of the, the weddings, private dining, all of that stuff. But other than that, in terms of front of the house, besides our sous chef and our chef, I'm, I'm the only manager. So i I really had to be careful with who I trusted with, uh, the keys, so to speak, you know, to open and to close. Um, cause I like to be the, the face there during the most, um, the busiest hours and the busiest times to make sure things are going well so those fringe hours you know i really have to make sure somebody's in place that can that can do what they need to be doing
3: so do you, can you teach joe how to retain his employees
2: no
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so and i can't you can't i don't i i don't even know if i can i think i'm just lucky i think that um you know i i i level with people I, I tell them what I need. I ask them from the get-go uh, what they're looking for, and if and if it matches up, then they're on board. If they're not, then it's not a match.
0: Yeah, but th- there's other, like, outside kind of uh, issues that occur. Like, f- for us... Uh, you
1: can see the frustration in Joe's face right now. <laughs> He's a my way to, like, bite the microphone off. You need well, to have a couple more so, sips. I, I, I've, I had, know, right?
2: I've had, I think... A couple more than you, and my frustration <laughs> levels in my head are really high when talking about this, but it doesn't seem that way, does it?
1: <laughs> well, well, so— uh,
2: Yeah, please enjoy enjoy w- these. Uh, oh, yes, so you so brought
1: us some snacks and some food.
2: Yes, yeah, so I did. Um, so I brought some what we call uh, green eggs and ham. It is a deviled egg. Uh, the, the whipped filling is whipped with uh, fresh spring pea, a little bit of wasabi and uh topped with some smoked um bacon lardons and smoked paprika a little arugula with a sherry vinaigrette uh, one of our most popular appetizers extremely shareable of course um and uh they're they're addictive they're really good i highly recommend
1: and you also you cut them tall right as yep. opposed to like long ways
2: yeah they sit they sit kind of pretty we cut the bottoms off of them um
1: i make a lot do. of deviled eggs you do Uh huh. I didn't know know that that. about you. So,
3: cheers, everyone. Oh, sure. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, okay. So, yeah, I want to hear about your frustration. Yeah. um, Yeah, go ahead.
0: After I rudely interrupted you with my eggs. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It it, it was worth it. Um,
3: They're uh, excellent, by the way.
0: (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, I had one of our one one of our uh, full-time employees uh, let me know on Friday that she had accepted a job with the school system as a culinary instructor and had to and she uh, which is a great gig public school yeah um, we, we can't compete with that on a, on a you know any type of like pay or like time off type of um, you know benefits offerings, all these types of things so you don't get summers
1: off at, uh, you summers off at your place.
0: No, no summers off. It's uh, like 110 degrees in the back in the kitchen, too. <laughs> it's always um, summer in the <laughs> back. <laughs> um, so she told me on Friday and her last day was yesterday because teachers report today. So uh, she was working, you know, 40 plus hours a week. and um, Wow. wow. Yeah, and it's so a lot of your productivity, right? And then so our, I mean, front of the house person um, was offered another job, and she accepted that, and it went from being a part time, like two day a week thing, to someone else leaving at her new job, and she took a full time position there. So now she can't help us out either. So we're down two people that were working roughly eighty hours a week, um, and as you know, Dustin and Jason and uh, you. Nick, you don't staff uh, bars, <laughs> so um, the the pool is so shallow right now with people. Like there, there is no sense, and this is another article that we that uh, Jason that you you passed mm-hmm. along to me today was yeah. um,
1: specific to Detroit, right? that was a, that, that was a, I'm live from yeah. was yeah. specific to
3: Detroit because I, I agree
0: with it completely yeah and so there there is like this and we're going to see an increase in business too like I'm sure Sugar House is and um, Red Dunn is obviously going to see it. I mean it's new so you guys are mm-hmm. busy as hell regardless there's that honeymoon 6 month honeymoon period anyway yeah. for the most part um hiring people is is a pain in the ass it, 100% and no matter what we offer them I and mean, we, we're offering people 9 to 6 hours Um, sometimes, you know, weekends aren't even a must sometimes. Um, but people just can't, and can't hold on to them. And if you do and you, you know, you try your best and then some, you know, some shit like this happens and it, you know, kicks you upside the head. And I feel like we've talked
1: about this before. Is it just pay? Is it just like straight up bodies? Like,
2: well, I think like I know what article you're talking about and I think that it's, it's one of those rules of economics where, there are so many new places opening in culinary, you know, and otherwise that really people are at they, they they can take if they have any skill at all, they can pretty much take whatever job they want. And as a result, I think that we're um, we're forced to have to offer offer more and more, whether it's wage or other perks to attract the real, the the good people that we know that we can really count on and, um, in, in hold on to, um, I like, I won't go into specific numbers, but I know that in order to keep the people that I have, I've, I've, I started at a pretty, I'd say above competitive wage for my bartenders because I know how, how key it is to have that, that core, that rock in in the center, and so if you if you take care of your core people, especially, I think everything else falls into line. But at the same time, it,
0: it is a shallow pool, and so right. And and like as you like you were saying, you had roughly ten days to train your staff, right? So right. Yeah. you have a menu. I have one of your menus here, and it, it's uh,
1: how did you this get is, that? That looks expensive. Oh, Nick it, wasn't here when you explained.
2: How oh, it, it. you know I um. I'll 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 say that uh, one of our vendors, Gypsy Vodka, um, mm. they were gracious enough to um, provide these for us. Um, Where are they based out of? All right, here's the story we were talking about before you came in the yeah, room.
1: Yeah, because we headed with uh, Joe's first ever, exact. Bloody Mary.
2: <laughs> so so, Gypsy, three guys is I think it's three um, MSU grads uh. moved out to Colorado, started distilling. And now they've decided to move production back to Michigan, which is great. Okay, so that's why um, after meeting with them, talking with them, uh, I've decided to. Uh, they're they're my only vodka on this cocktail list right now. Um, so I have quite a few. You know, I try to be a good neighbor. Obviously, being Corktown, got uh, quite a few cocktails with two James on there, and um, you know we're gonna expand into into our, which is just down the street from us, our Detroit. Um, but uh, for the most part, you know, I think that um, featuring as many local people, I mean, I, I'm tired of hearing the word local. I think we all are. <laughs> but it, but it's, I think it's just being a good neighbor. Um, so, you know, we carry Batch Brewery, which is across the street from us, and um, we're the new kids on the black, so we can't we can't come into town, you know, not appreciating what's come before us, so.
3: When you were developing this menu, uh, I guess, does the fact that you're in a hotel change your approach to developing a menu in the sense that there's always people traveling, coming from different places, or you are you you're not sure who you're targeting, or you just don't even think about that?
2: A hundred percent. Like, when I was blindly creating this list, essentially, I saw the space, um, I knew what kind of food Jay was going to do. Uh, and I knew what the price point was going to be on the rooms. That's pretty much the demographic information that I had to work with. Um, so I put Budweiser and Bud Light on two of my eight taps, which uh, I'll just I'll just say this. I, I, in general, don't typically put Anheuser-Busch products on my list um,
1: for but my own personal seller?
2: reasons. They did not. Oh. So we – I had to run specials to get rid of those, hmm. which was in my hips or a uh, little mind. I was like, oh, this is great. I can put whatever <laughs> I want on this list. <laughs> but I, I started I started running out of like really, you know, beers that I enjoy personally. And that was very affirming. I didn't know if we were going to be a wine house. I didn't know if we were going to be a cocktail house. I didn't know what was going to sell. Um, we're selling a whole bunch of cocktails. I'd say – I. I would honestly say uh, I did a report today, close to 33% of our cocktail or of our bar sales are through our, our craft cocktails, which is great because I think that, um, um, they were collaborative. So the, the ingredients were a hundred percent me, the concepts for them. Um, but in our first week I brought in all of our bartenders and each of them, I just gave them the ingredients and I had them each make the cocktail. With their own proportions, and then we kind of diplomatically came up with the proportions ourselves.
1: And what that's a, that's neat, Did you, have, have you done that before, or is that like your crazy?
2: Well, when I was at Bistro Two last, there were only two bartenders. It was Richard Parkinson and I, and that's because they're not open for breakfast or lunch. They're only open six days a week. Um, you know, and so we could only have we had two bartenders. It was great, and so if we made a new cocktail, we'd bounce it off of each other and you know, there it would be. So I'm, I don't have the type of ego where I want to say, Hey, this is, this is my cocktail. You can't mess with it, whatever. I I just want people to enjoy whatever we put out there because, um, I think that I, I, that I think that that's what, um, a makes the most people happy and b at the end of the day, we, that's we're in a business. So, um, we want people to have, you know, two, three cocktails. Sure. Yeah. So,
0: so so with the, with those 10 there, um, there's Mm -hmm. some training that's involved with learning and like learning those recipes. Was there an assumption that, uh, and I I don't know who the the staff you hired, if they had experience, but is there an assumption that they know other cocktails just off the top of their heads or are, is there like a list of like very popular cocktails? Like on the, like in some, you know, in some back book that they can reference if they need to like a Sazerac or a. Manhattan or something like that.
2: Right. So I brought all of my cocktail books into the restaurant and they're on the shelf and in the, um, the cabinet. So I actually – I don't have any books in my house at this moment. So everything is at the restaurant. I want people to learn and explore. I have quite a few. And so um, I looked at why I think I used to be a successful bartender and that was that I had this like sponge for always wanting to like learn the next thing or – how to please the guest in a different way. And um, I look for that in certain people. And so I have a couple people on my bar staff that have actually never bartended but are just great hospitality people. And I think that you can actually, if they have that same yearning to to please the guest, I think that the recipes are just – are secondary to that. But if they can look at what – you know, a guest is looking for in their experience and they can fill that and they get their repertoire, you know, that, like I said, secondary, if they can actually bring that into, into life, that's what bring, that's what makes your regulars. That's what brings people back.
1: So you're, you're located in Corktown. Yes. Are you in walking distance to any other spaces?
2: Definitely. We are, we are hundred feet from Batch Brewery Okay. and Brew Detroit is mm-hmm. just on the other side there. Uh, and we're about five blocks from the main strip on Michigan. So, um, yeah, you can, you can get to sugar house, do do a little crawl or something. Yeah, you could definitely.
1: Have you talked, and I know batch doesn't make a ton of beer where it's kind of brew Detroit is the opposite. Um, have you talked to them about doing any stuff on, or do you have them on tap?
2: We do. Yeah. We have the audac their Kolsch
1: right now. Got it. Nice. Yeah.
2: Um, and, and they're great neighbors, you know, um, They have, they do, a lot of people approach them for events and their space isn't as large as ours. And so we're creating a really nice partnership. Okay. So.
1: And they're nice guys too. I feel like. Oh, they're they're great.
2: Yeah. They're great. So.
1: I want to, I want to
0: stay down this training path because I think it's interesting. Um, The, uh, the two bartenders that have not, have no bar experience. How do you, I, I don't know how to ask this in a, in a way that won't sound like a, how do you make sure that they're keeping up with uh not just your menu but like how, how do they know what anything is did do, do you do, do you tell them to reference these books like if a guest asks for something and they don't know what it is which could which is quite reasonable given their background are are they told to just say okay uh, I'm going to I'll go look into that and like figure it out or are they do they just do something off the top of their head or like
2: what so so Jason if somebody asks for a like comes up Sugar House, like I want an old fashioned. What questions do your bartenders ask? Are they the same questions, or?
3: Well, I mean, you know, the Sugar House experience. If somebody comes in and asks for something already that they know, I guess the first, the only question at that point would be kind of like, you know, do you have a spirits preference? Because you've already expressed um, a desire for something specific, um, you know. At the sugar house, some people come in, they shut the menu, they already know what they want. Some people want to come in and look at the menu and, you know, ultimately pick or some people don't want to look at the menu and want to have that conversation where you're trying to get to the bottom of how can I create something for you at this time? That's what you want, you know? Um, So there's definitely a little bit of range there, but if somebody wants an old fashioned, I mean, I would ask them, what is the, do you have a spirits preference? And that may lead to a conversation about, you know, bourbon or rye or what are, what are these brands that are my options and why should I have one over the other? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's usually where we have that opportunity to build the trust with the guests so that they feel comfortable trying more things after that. Like, great, you know, you've taken the time to work me through this and now I want to try something else.
2: Sure. I think, I think that kind of answers it for me too, where it's about – giving them a chance to to listen. So when somebody asks for a type of drink, do you know how to make this? It starts that conversation up. And so my my employees have a a standard reference guide where if somebody asks for a house old like whatever, like make an old fashioned, mm-hmm. I, we have a recipe so that it's consistent. Now if somebody asks for something done a specific way or they have a preference, of course we'll always, you know, that's that's the the basis of hospitality, giving the guests what they want. But if somebody says, Hey, I just want a margarita or a mojito, a daiquiri, a daiquiri yeah. there. We have, cause there's a, mil- there's a million ways to make it old fashioned and people, you know, fight over it, you know? And so we have a standard way mm-hmm. that we, that goes with our philosophy of our restaurant and it, we try to streamline it. So to answer your question about the inexperienced, we have it. Um, our one of our head bartenders. He's a great artist, and he does really cool infographics that we have. Um, so even in the middle of the day, if um, I have a day where I don't have a day bartender, a server can go back there, or chef can go back there, and actually look at the guide. And we can actually. It might take a couple extra minutes, but they can make the cocktail so that they're consistent to, you know, what they would get at on a Friday night. Mm.
0: So you're saying anyone could like go by like I could go in there and make a cocktail. Uh,
2: any of uh, anything on our list or any of like your typical standard cocktails? Yes, you could. Yeah. Huh.
0: So what the the non-drink? So that you have your bartenders and you have your your servers, right? Are right. are they all uh, are they all experienced servers?
2: Yeah, I've had um, I have one server who's she's amazing her name is saban she started as a hostess um and she was just intuitively just jumping in where she need where she saw needed to be where she needed to be and i said have you ever served no do you have interest and so i just like had her shadow a couple people and now she's like one of our best
0: Hmm. and so how does uh how much contact does jay have with the the front of house you guys said it's like – like, is it like – how often is the menu changing? Like how does the interplay happen between the drinks and the food? We're about to switch into like a
2: late summer type menu because a lot of our um, – we started in late spring. So we had like morels on our menu and everything, obviously not available right now. So we're about to switch into a late summer, early fall menu. Um, so our our main menu has not changed much since we opened, which has been um, – great for st- for staffing purposes where, you know, there hasn't been a lot of changes that we have to go over. Um, you, you know, you have one person out for a week and they come back and they're like, oh, what happened to this dish? You know, that, that happens in restaurants. But um, we haven't had that that issue
0: lately. Has there been a dish that's been wildly popular that you guys have noticed?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, on our uh, appetizer list, we have these house-made pastas, the agnolotis. They're stuffed with an artichoke mousse with um, like a parmesan. Really, really good. You tried them, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, I mean, we sell almost one to every table. Wow. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That and the and the popovers, they're basically like the Saunders hot fudge puff. Mm-hmm. It's the same recipe, but done savory, um, with like a uh, it's a pimento goat cheese spread. It's really good. Um, that's. That's amazing. Our burger's done extremely well, but that's no surprise because Jay was known for his town. He invented the original townhouse burger.
1: What if someone wants it like medium rare?
0: What's that? You,
2: if, yeah. if somebody on, wants it. That was it. so
1: good. He, he said, you said the
0: burger's extremely well done. Oh, yeah. shoot. <laughs> oh, man. You got to keep up with this guy. He He's he's quick. Not he's
1: quick. How's the cocktail? <laughs> it's I
0: don't
3: really know. good. What's in it? Is it with uh, Buck? No, I brought that in because I wasn't sure what the uh – Okay. Man, we have a feast. This is a buffet.
2: (laughs) We all came prepared. Oh, this is our new cocktail. It's not on the list right now, but it's on like our featured list, and it's – we call it the Eastwood. And the story behind it, I I wanted to do a a bright cocktail, um, but also a little bit spicy and um, boozy. So this is uh, an equal part for booze cocktail um, with a little bit of mezcal hmm. Salerno, averna and um was the last part oh ancho reyes that's what brings the heat a little bit nice. but uh appropriately you know like uh, like a spaghetti western there's two italian liqueurs in there and a little bit of uh,
0: smoky southwestern
1: which mezcal are you using Using
0: uh, Vita. Vita. Okay. Yeah. So Dustin, what's your background? Uh, where are you classically trained culinary or,
2: uh, I, I don't have a culinary background. No, I'm actually, I went to, I went to Western for education. I have a history and political science degree. Um, got a job. See, my final interview was during the, uh, inauguration of Obama in January, 2009. Um, got a job in the East side of Detroit. Um, things weren't great. I didn't have a coffee machine for six months, et cetera. So I decided to return to my college roots of working in a restaurant. So I got a job at, uh, Forte in Birmingham, uh, waiting tables and worked my way up to beverage director and there. And, uh, then it closed <laughs> and, uh, you know, done a bunch of different things since then. Uh, I was a, production manager for an industrial chemical company and was the GM over at townhouse Birmingham with Jay and
0: I've been around town, <laughs> but has any of that outside experience colored your, uh, hospitality, like being a production manager and an industrial, like, is that, is there anything you bring from that to, to, the-
2: yeah, I, I worked really closely with our chemist, so I would develop new chemical products with him. And so I, Scaling recipes and uh, production planning for different raw materials, and production planning in a bar with all the different ingredients—it's all related. It's really funny how it works, but um, you know, inventory control, all that—the business side of things. Actually, um, I developed a lot with uh, with that job.
1: Do you still keep in contact with the chemist?
2: Uh, yeah, he actually comes. He's he's a big foodie. Uh, his name's Norton Delito. He's eighty two. He founded the company and uh he's you'd you find him around he's got his girlfriends he takes out to uh <laughs> different restaurants so he found me and uh he came in a couple times he's a good guy
0: um so at the uh, at the hotel you guys have been – have been operating at pretty high ca- high capacity or the
2: occupancy is really is really good right now um we actually this weekend uh we're almost sold out so it's good um. We have good relationships with uh, different people around, us, like uh, like L Club. Um, actually, a friend of mine from college—they're getting married at L Club this weekend, and uh, they're doing their wedding party. Um, is staying at our hotel, so it's uh, you know, it's all about it's all about um, making ourselves known to our neighbors, and you know, hopefully, return the favor.
0: Do you have any stats on how often a guest is dining at your restaurant yet, or is, that, is it too early to tell? A hotel guest,
2: yeah. The industry standard, what I've understood is that breakfast is about fifty. Per, you can count on about fifty percent of your occupancy, and then dinner and lunch is anywhere between ten and twenty uh, wow. percent. We're finding actually that we're higher than that, and I and I and I honestly think it's because Jay's food is not your typical hotel food. Um, a lot of hotels are adjacent to a Ruby Tuesdays or an Applebee's. An Applebee's, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and, and, and as you guys, you know, I know that you've experienced his other restaurant. You haven't been there yet, but um, you know, he's he's got a really comfortable, I'd say, Detroit blue collar approach to to food, but done really well. You know, he 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 doesn't have a lot of pretension to his presentation. But at the same time, it's beautiful. Um, Chicken's
1: a good example for that, I feel like.
2: Yeah, the, the roulade that yep. you had? Yeah. Exactly. Because that
1: almost it almost felt like something you'd have at someone's house, um, like something they've been preparing forever, like almost like an ethnic dish. But yeah, the presentation was very beautiful. Uh, the square long plates, the sauces, the um, the way it was kind of rolled and stood up on end. Um, it was, and it was great, too. It was delicious. Definitely. So, so yeah. th-
2: I think this is, we're still on the segue of like what dishes have been popular, but yes, that, that is, that is one where, um, it's a really cool, uh, gluten-free fried chicken dish. Basically. It's like a, uh, a famous bowl on steroids. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's a pesto, pesto mashed potatoes, sweet corn. Um, and then he takes a, uh, chicken breast in Dijon cream mousse and, uh, he pounds out the chicken uh, and puts the mousse in between, and then he rolls it, and then he wraps it in um the skin, and then he deep fries it and then slices it into like little uh roulade pieces with a coco vin uh, thigh it 's fantastic
1: so the the restaurant 's based on um chicken right like the or is there 's a fowl tie to it
2: or yeah, yeah. Um, thanks Metro Times for putting foul play into our, <laughs> into our uh, review title. We thought that was interesting. Are but. you
3: changing the name of your restaurant? <laughs> I w- uh, don't <laughs> wish. No,
2: it, it's Red Dunn is, okay, so there's a, there's a painting from 1810. It's of this, uh, this rooster and the painting was found, you know, from, in, in the original hotel and we kept it and it, it's titled the uh, streaky-breasted red dun, known as the bone crusher. I really think maybe our restaurant should be called bone, bone crusher. crusher. Yeah, the bone crusher. <laughs> Which, uh, but so we're we're the red dun, um, red dun kitchen. In, in you know, it, it was a cockfighter. Let's just say it. Let's say cock on, on the radio. <laughs> yeah, you can. It was it. it was a it was a, a cockfighter. <laughs>
3: <laughs> which, we got next attention.
2: <laughs> which people think they're like, ah, it's a little, uh, it's a little racy because of all of because we're pretty close to, uh, Mexican Village, Mexican town, and like, you know, all that, the bust that happened a couple years ago. And, uh, I don't know if you guys heard about that.
1: Nope. Some cockfighting yeah.
2: cock rings that oh. were busted up. Uh, oh, really? Fe- I, I think federally. <laughs> really? <laughs> so we kind of laughed about that.
0: But, uh, anyway. So, so the menu, uh, you said you have breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yep. Um, is it all Jay's food, breakfast and lunch as well?
2: It is. Um, Andy Campbell, who is his sous chef, uh, he, came, he was the executive chef actually at Commonwealth. And um, so he's taking care of um, all of the pastries and breakfast service and everything. But it was rooted in Jay's menu. And, um, you know, between the two of them, they've
0: collaborated to improve and, and change things. I feel like the uh, the focus is usually uh, dinner for chefs. So, the, what what is the difference? Like, what's special about the breakfast menu? Uh, if there's anything, like, is there anything special? There, it- I mean, the the hollandaise
2: is fantastic. Um, they make it from scratch every morning. Of course, it's not some it's not some mix, and they're not afraid to put a good amount of lemon in it. And um uh, so Dave from Sopinos comes in for breakfast quite a bit and that that was his one comment I was like I am I'm so happy that you you're not afraid to put a good amount of lemon in
1: your in your um Hollandaise. And, and is there is it just a taste reason? Does it break quicker if you have lemon in it? No, I, I just think that it just adds that really
2: nice zest to the egg. Okay. You know, um when you put it over a nice Benedict, it's just it adds that extra mm-hmm. um that extra layer. Because um, I think acidity is one thing that besides fruit in a breakfast that's it 's missing in a lot of breakfast food it 's really heavy and, and it needs that brightness and I think that the um holidays can be like really heavy without that mm-hmm. um but we every, everything 's everything 's pretty much house made that we do so if if there 's anything special that that 's what it is is that um everything 's done every morning everything 's done done fresh so um Come for lunch too. The sandwiches are fantastic. We have this black and shrimp po' boy that's awesome. So,
0: is there a uh, cocktail menu that goes along with breakfast or lunch? Is there like a lighter side of cocktails that you?
2: Well, we make a fresh. Uh, I make a fresh bloody mary mix. Um, you know, we've got great mimosas, but um, to be continued with the breakfast uh, cocktail list. But a lot of our gin and ton- we have G and Ts. So the uh the concept TEAS, T-E-A-S yep. um those are really bright and refreshing um you know the whole concept of mixing different gins and matching their botanicals up with different teas um those those are all very well suited for for a brunch
1: I think brunch cocktails struggle is because all I all I ever see is you know bloody mary bar and you know bottomless mimosa mm-hmm. and I feel like I mean they sell I'm sure they sell um I would love to see more bars go out of that comfort zone and try to do some other stuff. And I mean, there's not a ton of examples. You're you're not open during
3: breakfast. A uh, uh, writing and company have, does brunch. And You have Honest John's too. Yeah, Honest John's is <clears throat> does really great brunch, but Writing Company does yeah, brunch right. on Sundays. I feel like Yanni did some stuff when he was there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but yeah, I mean, not you know, Writing Company is going to have to Bloody Mary, but. Greyhounds. They do were like, you guys the, doing like uh, greyhound stuff. I feel like maybe they were doing like uh, breakfast whiskey sours, yeah. uh, some different. Uh, what else were they doing? Like a radler? Yeah, they were doing some different things. Um, rum, butter rum, cold butter rums, different things. But um, of course,
1: cold does some stuff.
3: I feel like people also come in though, and despite that, order mimosas and Buddy marys. No, they, and they they sell because probably that's what people think is
1: the drink you have for brunch right that's just my own bitterness i'll i'll move on
0: well i, I don't I don't think moving on is necessary because i think that's a good question to to even raise I, I my thought would be that bloody marys are considered like you know the hair of the dog type of thing right mm-hmm. and then mimosas are like this light kind of you know you're not going to get drunk if you drink a mimosa um whereas these like a lot of cocktails I have video and, evidence <laughs> against that <laughs> <laughs> getting drunk off mimosas <laughs> I mean, bottomless mimosa is like you're going to get drunk, right? Like that's it's, you better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you got to you, make your money. You should. Well, yeah. right. Yeah, if you're spending twenty bucks on mimosas, you're going to drink what? Like a couple crafts worth? I don't like know. Like two
1: bottles of Andre.
0: <laughs>
1: if you're drinking bottomless mimosa, you have a there's a bottle of Andre hiding behind the bar. You're not sometimes drinking, not, you're not hiding. <laughs>
0: Uh, so, are are you expecting to be uh, busy during the Lions and the Red Wings? Like, are, are, do people come down and stay? Or, um, yeah, I think or the Auto hotel? Show too. Auto yeah, Show. Yeah, Auto
2: Show this year. We the restaurant wasn't open, but we were actually um, the 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 hotel was full. Um, we're we're expecting you know to be really busy with those big events. Um, and uh, you know, we just got we just got to roll with the punches. You know, I just got to make sure I've got the good staff. Um, and we've got good programming to match it. So, um, to make sure that, you know, cause we're kind of, we're kind of like a campus where it's like a one-stop shop, you know, you can, we, we're always dropping, you know, um, you guys over there at Sugar House and, and, and two James and, and batch. But, um, at the end of the day, you know, we're open till two and they come back to our bar. And so we have to be an amenity for them. And so we do the best we can
1: do you, who do you look at as your competition? Is it like a foundation or is it something else? I'll
2: tell you what i went I actually went to a Dalmore scotch tasting dinner like a pairing last week mm-hmm. and so that was my first experience at the foundation. I don't see us being on the same plane uh they're they're doing really great food. I think we're doing really great food. It's a different experience yeah. it's a whole nother it's a whole like ours is much more like you're going to your friend's house
1: like an Ace Hotel. That's kind of what I think People yeah, yeah,
2: people say that we're like an Ace Hotel. So, we're we have to find that line between people can come down in their pajamas and feel comfortable having a sandwich or a burger or a breakfast and then also people come in for their special occasion and we have kemis on the menu. We have a you know, 28-day prime age steak. So, we have to we have to ride that line of uh aesthetic and comfort and also, you know, um Making sure that people people feel welcome mm-hmm. and not underdressed or overdressed. So it, it, it's different than
0: Foundation. Sure. Yeah. So, Dustin, let's get the rundown on where people can find uh, the hotel online.
2: Okay, sure. Yeah. So um, the location is in the name, which is com. We are, uh, so if you go to. Those are mi- streets? Yeah, the streets. So if you go to uh, Michigan and Trumbull, where the old. Tiger Stadium was. If you go five blocks south, you will find our find our hotel. Hmm. Um, and uh, if you're coming from the suburbs, just uh, get off on uh, the lodge and take it to the Howard exit. So if you're one of the Greyhound station there, and we're right there. Um, it's really easy. We have parking, um, a huge parking lot. So that is one advantage I think we do have in in the areas that we don't have metered or valet or um, event parking. So you don't have to drop 20 bucks to eat at our restaurant
0: just to park. So Uh, and then social media. Yeah, definitely. Uh,
2: So red done. So R E D D U N N kitchen dot com, you know, you. Yeah, on Facebook, Instagram, all of those, um, and TrumbullandPorterHotel.com. And um,
0: look forward to hosting you. Awesome. Yeah. Dustin, best of luck. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for drinking my drinks. Until next time, dine well, friends.